Welcome to another edition of the Blue Ribbon College Basketball Podcast. Always great to have you with us with Chris Dorch. I'm Kevin Ingram. The season is underway as we record this. The college basketball season for 22-23 began last night with a full slate of games. Chris, basketball is here. It was great to see. Happy basketball, I guess I should say, as we start our podcast this week. <laughs> Happy basketball to you as well. Um, 126 games. But if, if you notice by looking at some of the Twitter pundits, none involving top 25 teams. And I wonder if opening day of college basketball should have some, you know, more marquee matchups. And what I think has happened is, or at least it happened last night, some of the teams that had some buy games came away, uh, shall we say, disappointed. Yeah. Stetson goes into Florida State and wins. Uh, I know Donnie Jones, the Stetson coach, he's a, he's a good coach and a protege of Billy Donovan. Andy Enfield from Cal, Southern Cal, loses to his old team, Florida Gulf Coast. TCU barely beat Arkansas by Pine Bluff, 73-72. And the, this is just what I've, I've seen so far. Cleveland State, Kansas City, and Northern Illinois all lost to non-D1s. Uh, I've talked to a couple of coaches, and everybody was saying, you know, the play was rough. We were a little behind. We were a little off. And, you know, that's to be expected. Defense not so hot, boxing out. Uh, but I think if uh, college basketball would pay, or the NCAA or whoever's going to run it, would pay a little more attention to the opening day and maybe some kind of marquee matchups or in the case of non-power conference leagues, maybe – Right off the get-go, uh, something like the ACC Big Ten Challenge. For, right. I don't know, the A-10 or, and Missouri Valley. I don't know, Ohio Valley and Southern Conference. But uh, still, it was great to see it start. And, you know, a couple of things caught my eye besides those upsets. I think Kentucky is going to be really, really good. Uh, they were without Oscar Shibway. Uh, they were without Severe Wheeler. Granted, uh, the opponent was Howard and not nearly in Kentucky's league, but Kentucky's got some firepower with the transfer. C.J. Frederick from Iowa, who didn't play last year, he had 20 in his debut. And Antonio Reeves from from, uh, Illinois State, he scores 22 in 24 minutes, 6 of 12 from 3, which is a Kentucky record uh, for a debut. So uh, they've already started calling him Antonio Three, <laughs> And then Kaysan Wallace, uh, who filled in for Savir Wheeler. He's a combo, but he almost had a triple-double in his first game ever, 15, nine assists, and eight boards. So, yeah, if Kentucky can handily win and, and their two best players are sitting it out, uh, I don't think that bodes well. Yeah, I know they were awfully excited about uh, having C.J. Frederick. That was a, a piece they were missing last year as far as the three-point shooting goes, and it uh, looks like he can uh, help them out there too and those others you mentioned. Uh, I did the game here in Nashville last night between Vanderbilt and Memphis, and, and really if you look around the country, that was probably one of the marquee matchups in it, terms of uh, opening was. night games. And uh, Vanderbilt d- did not have a great first half. Memphis, uh, they really defend well. Penny Hardaway's team, it maybe not as much hype around this team and not the, the number one recruiting class 
pass like they had two out of three years. But it's a really good squad. They got a lot of new guys. And I heard him telling uh, their radio folks after the game last night that they had not had a whole lot of chance to to practice together due to a lot of injuries leading into the season. But Memphis won that game 76-67. Vanderbilt played better in the second half. And a lot of young guys for Vanderbilt. Jerry Stackhouse used a whole lot of them for quite a few minutes last night. But pretty impressive Memphis. Uh, Of course, they have uh, Kendrick Davis, the transfer from SMU, who is the American Conference Player of the Year last year. Had 16 points, three three rebounds, six assists in his first game. And DeAndre Williams is really good, 17 points and five boards. And they got some nice performances. But that that team really defends well. They can lock you down. They switch everything, and uh, they they make it hard for you to to find good looks. But a fun matchup uh, here at Memorial Gym last night. It was sweltering in that building. Memorial does not have air conditioning, and it was roasting. I I knew it was going to be hot when I went in there yesterday morning at about 11 o'clock and it was already uh it, it felt like they had had the heat on for days but you know it's sort wow. of unseasonably warm weather outside it makes it pretty warm inside I didn't know they weren't air conditioned no no uh, all these years yeah. I never knew that <laughs> yeah so uh, there's a big crowd and uh, everybody uh, worked up a, a good sweat during the game last night then down the street over here at Belmont you had a, a buzzer beater actually yeah. a double buzzer beater in their game with Ohio uh, Bobcats hit a three to go in front with one second, and then uh, Belmont ran a terrific inbounds play, got a wide-open look from about, gosh, it looked like 27, 28 feet and knocked it in for the win. So uh, that was exciting stuff. Yeah, it was. Uh, the town of Nashville was alight with college hoops uh, last night. Uh, a buddy of mine who coaches at, at uh, uh, Tennessee State said they had 9,000 for a game against a non-D1. And then, of course, this Belmont game, uh, the kid that hit it was a six-seven freshman named Cade Tyson. His brother Hunter Tyson plays at Clemson, but this guy looks like a typical Belmont player. You know, he's just a shooter. He was a Mister Basketball, won a state championship in North Carolina. So you know, pretty typical. Uh, you were there for eighteen years of, of the kind of guys that Belmont gets, and that was a great play. It's made the rounds uh, on on Twitter. Chris always gets us the best guest, and our, and our guest this week, uh, if you're a play-by-play guy, he's a guy you look up to. He's one of the best in the business. You'll see him calling college basketball and, of course, baseball. Just finished the World Series and moving into college basketball season now from ESPN. Dan Schulman, what's going on? Uh, happy to be with you guys. Uh, thanks for having me. Uh, always excited for the start of college basketball season. Well, Dan, um, it, it's great to have you. I've always thought you were, like Kevin said, but you're my personal favorite Uh with a voice like butter uh and it's it's just not college basketball season unless you're at the mic and i wanted to ask you for years you've done the world series and and we know you love baseball on radio and with this short turnaround from with a longer baseball season and and uh, earlier basketball season uh, how do you get ready and, and get into uh, fighting form for hoops? <laughs> well, I appreciate that, Chris. Thank you. Uh, well, the first thing I do is laundry because that's the most important thing. So, <laughs> um, but as we were discussing just before we started, you know, in the old days, whenever the old days were, baseball ended in October. Yeah. And you guys would probably remember better than me. But again, if you go back a while, you know, basketball used to start more like the middle of November. So right. this year was just an unusual year. The lockout for baseball pushed the schedule back four or five days and then there was a rain out in the world series that that pushed it back a day so uh, we're recording this on tuesday i came home sunday 
And tonight I'm getting on a plane to go to San Diego because we have the Armed Forces Classic, the Gonzaga-Michigan State game Friday, which will be my first game. So honestly, I try to do some prep during the World Series, but doing the World Series is kind of a, you know, a busy time uh, as well. But uh, between the Internet and my blue ribbon, I'm pretty much, uh, you know, those are the two <laughs> things that I that I make sure I have, and I'm pretty productive on planes. So uh, hopefully by the time we get going Friday and then by the time I'm at the champions on Tuesday, uh, it'll sound like I'm up to speed. But, uh, you know, uh, none of us are getting any younger, too, and I don't know about your ability to absorb information. It get, it, I, it it goes out pretty quickly. It doesn't come in quite as quickly as back in my, uh, back in my uh, 20s right and you 30s, are. but I love it. Yeah, I feel like I'm running uh, out of storage space. Uh, you know, I, I can remember stuff that happened like in the '80s better than I can remember stuff that happened this season. You know? Yeah, a hundred percent. I'm in the uh, I'm in the exact same boat as you are. But I, I kind of my philosophy has always to treat every game like it's an exam. You know, you study for it, you write it, and then you move on because you got another exam coming in three days. So it's almost like I've been in final exams at school for the last 28 years doing college basketball. I've always wondered. The differences between your broadcast partners, like uh, both Jay and Dickie V are friends. And Jay, as you know, super intelligent, law, law degree, went to Duke, sort of professorial, strong opinions. And then Dickie V is just the most ebullient and excitable. And I mean, it's been great for the game of college basketball, but they couldn't be any more polar opposite. How do you adjust your style to work with those kind of uh, uh, analysts? Yeah, it's a good question. So the analogy I use, and it works, I guess, because we're talking basketball, is whether I'm a baseball play-by-play -play announcer or a basketball play-by-play -play announcer, I consider myself to be the point guard. So they inbound the ball to me, but then my my job is to move the ball around and, and you know, maybe Jay likes it on the low block and maybe Dickie V likes the corner three. So I, I've got to <laughs> I've got to get him the ball in the spot that is that's the best for them. And, and, and Chris, it's not something I don't think I can put into words in terms I do this with Jay and I do this with Dick or something. But, you know, I've known them both for so long and you just know what kind of things each is comfortable with and, you know, where their sweet spot is, you know, the kinds of conversations you can have. Um, and, and I think it's like, uh, you know, almost like being an old married couple. I mean, we've been at this for so long now. Yeah. I'll tell you a funny story, though. My when I when I started with ESPN it was 1995, and somehow, some way, my second ever game for ESPN was with Dick. Wow. And you talk about a young guy, 28 years old, I was then, being out over his skis. I had, like I knew Dick. <laughs> but, it, you know, as you know, I'm Canadian. And, and back in yeah. 1995, you couldn't get a lot of college basketball games on TV. That's right. You could get CBS, basically. Right. So, like, I knew who Dick was, but I hadn't seen hundreds of Dick Vitale games and all of a sudden, I'm sitting with them doing a game, and oh man, um, I mean, I had no idea how to do it then. I've got an idea how to do it now, obviously, but um, <laughs> it's like anything. It's muscle memory. It's you know, it's like a shortstop and a second baseman. No, you know, being comfortable with each other uh, around the bag at second. So, um, but it, it, I guess I've been doing it so long, it just kind of comes naturally. I'll tell you the tricky ones is for a couple of years we did all three of us together that right. you know, yeah. that was something else so right um uh, that was something you know what else, dick Enberg I, went through all those years with yes Packer yeah and, yeah and exactly. mcguire yeah right exactly so um but they're both fantastic in their own unique special awesome way and uh i feel very lucky to work with both of them
So, Dan, you mentioned that game later this week. That's on an aircraft carrier, right? That is on an aircraft carrier, the USS Abraham Lincoln out in San Diego. We did this. My only other aircraft carrier game was really the first one of these that we did, 11-11-11, Veterans Day back in 2011. President Obama was there. That was North Carolina and Michigan State. And we've done a lot since then. I've been to Alaska, Japan, Korea, Puerto Rico, uh, among other places. But those have all been on basis. So this will just be the second one for me on an aircraft carrier. I checked the forecast about every 15 minutes. And it looks pretty good. <laughs> no fog. Right <laughs> yeah, here comes the marine layer. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Because when we did the one in 2011, right in the last kind of maybe eight minutes of the game, it started getting a little misty. And I think it was John Henson for North Carolina, if I'm not mistaken, who slipped and... Yeah you know, went down and he was okay. Thankfully he wasn't hurt, but you never know what you're going to get. I know there are contingency plans in terms of moving the game around if the weather's not good on Friday, but it looks like it'll be good on Friday. It's starting early. It's three 30 Pacific time, six 30 Eastern time. So we should be done by five 30 or five 45 Pacific time. Hopefully before, you know, sometimes as you said in the evening, it gets a little misty out there, but I think we're okay. And I I'm really looking forward to it. It is, it's such a cool thing. It's such a unique thing. And we'll have opportunities with the teams to spend some time with, with uh, you know, various members of the military in the days leading up to the game. And one thing, you know, if there's ever something really cool or different, you know, Michigan State's going to be involved. That's, that's right. Mizzle will do anything, <laughs> anywhere, anytime. And, you know, what a great chance to see two incredible programs this early in the season. How interesting is it to start a season for Duke and Villanova without those two iconic coaches that have won multiple national championships. I mean, it's just strange. No Coach K and no Jay Wright and some big shoes to fill for those guys that are moving into those roles. Yeah, it it really is. You know, Roy Williams the year before, now Mike Krzyzewski and Jay Wright. And, you know, like it or not, in the next, I don't know if it's two years, five years, ten years, but whether it's Tom Izzo or Bill Self or John Calipari or Mark Few, like we've got some incredible coaches and and you hope they stay around as long as they want to stay around. But it is it is something, uh, we'll start with Duke, it is something to not have Mike Krzyzewski coaching yeah. Duke because, you know, it had been over 40 years. And and uh, I think they got the perfect guy, the perfect guy in John Shire. Uh, he really returns on the recruiting are The recruits think he's the perfect guy as well because he's been able to bring in some great talent. And obviously, you know, I've been in a lot of Duke practices over the years and over the last two, three, four years, Mike Krzyzewski had handed off a lot of stuff to John Shire. John Shire was a big voice in practices already, and I think he'll do great. And then Jay Wright, I guess, was the more surprising one, right, that he stepped aside because he easily could have stayed around many more years if he wanted to. But again, you've got a guy in Kyle Neptune who knows the program very well and um you know he appears to have a lot of talent and villanova and i'm sure you guys talk about this you talk about not a team but a program a culture like villanova is one of the first ones you think about maybe the first one that you think about when you talk about that sort of thing and i i think neptune will do great and uh, you know they're going to be at or near the top of the big east they got their hands full with creighton it looks like this year the blue jays look great but uh, it will be interesting to walk into um, indianapolis on on tuesday and and to go to a duke practice for the first time in my life without coach k being there it'll yeah. it'll it'll be a bit of a different thing and also for the first time in i don't know how long they have an assistant coach who's not part of the family so to speak jay lucas is on the staff as you guys know and he's a great 
you know, a great uh, rising star in the coaching front. But it, it's a little bit strange to me to see a non-Duke guy mm-hmm. be part of the Duke staff as well. Dan, this might be apropos of nothing, but when we booked you on the show, I looked at, at your bio and saw that you received a degree in actuarial science. And for <laughs> those not in the know, uh, it applies mathematical and statistical methods to assess risk in insurance, pension, finance, investment, and other industries and professions. So I wonder, you've spent your career working in two sports that are increasingly beholden to advanced analytics. So does that college degree come into play for you uh, with some of these stats that we're seeing? It's a great question, and I wish I had had that definition of my uh, my education when I needed it. I'm, and I'm sure that was off the top of your head. I'm sure you didn't look that uh, oh, up. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I have no notes at all. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, back in the day, I was, like, if you go back to, like, 12-year-old Danny Shulman, like, uber math geek, like, freaky oh, wow. math geek, freaky math geek. <laughs> Uh, not the coolest kid on the block. I'll tell you that much. So, um, but knew I wanted to go into something to do with math and didn't even know what an actuary was, but as you said, it's assessing risk and, uh, investments, pensions, insurance, that sort of thing. And I had my midlife crisis when I was 22 years old, I decided that after <laughs> Get it out of the way early. With- yeah, I got it out of the way. It's a great time to have a midlife crisis. Like I, I had moved back in with my parents after college. I wasn't married, didn't have kids, didn't have bills. I was just a kid myself. So, uh, yeah, I wholeheartedly recommend having a midlife crisis in your early 20s and figuring it out then. But um, I, I just wasn't enjoying it. I knew I wanted to try something else. And I had done radio uh, in college up here in Canada and university, as we say, up here in Canada. But just for fun, never thought I'd get into a career. But to answer your question, yeah, it does help. I I mean, you know, your brain is like any other muscle in your body. If you don't use a certain part of it, it's not going to be quite as good as it used to be. But I, you know, I I still can manage my way through numbers pretty quickly. And, you know, like when I'm doing the World Series, uh, if a guy is five for 18 in the World Series, I know he's hitting 278. And if he gets a hit and he's six for 19, I know he's hitting 316. Like I can do I can do that kind of stuff. That's handy. I can't do it up in the hundreds or anything anymore, but um, but it does help me a little bit. It, and it's not just calculating things. I like to think, I might be wrong, but I like to think what I've got a pretty good grasp on is uh, is what numbers are relevant. And, and right. you know, somebody might say, oh, well, look at this. And I might say, yeah, but I don't know if that's telling the story we want to tell here. Yeah. I, you know, I think the story has to get us to the, to the numbers sometimes. Um, so it, it it does help me, and you're right. I mean, baseball's always been statistically inclined, but that has exploded in the last 10 to 15 years. And now here comes basketball. You know, football and hockey are doing it as well. Here comes basketball. So, you know, at, at, at every time out when – somebody from the school brings me and Jay or me and Dick over, you know, one of the, one of the stat sheets after under every four minutes, I've, I think I've got a pretty good idea in 30 seconds, what I'm looking for on that stat sheet and whether it means something to me. So yeah, my interpersonal skills might not be great, but my mathematical skills are okay. <laughs> Dan, before we let you go, I wanted to ask you a baseball question. I uh, just finished the World Series, as you mentioned. For whatever anybody wants to think about the Houston Astros, it, it felt like there was universal love for Dusty Baker and winning that championship. Uh, I, I'm a Reds Absolutely. fan. I'm a Reds fan. I'm a big Dusty Baker fan. Remember when he played for the Dodgers back in the day. But how cool was that to see him finally get that title as a manager? 
It was very cool. And, I, and I've been fortunate enough to, you know, have called dusty games forever, whether it was, you know, back in managing Barry Bonds and the Giants back there. And they, you know, they took a three to two lead in the World Series over the Angels 20 years ago and, and didn't get it done. And Dusty is one of those beloved characters in the game. I, I don't know if I would compare him to a Jay Wright or a Tom Izzo or a Bill Self or a, or a Roy Williams or whomever. But Dusty is is one of those guys that if you've met him, you love him. Like we're sitting in his office before the other day, Buster Olney, our great reporter at ESPN is with us. We're getting ready to do the ESPN radio broadcast. And it somehow comes up that Busty, uh, Buster has moved to Montana. And Dusty says, oh, I went fishing with Huey Lewis in Montana one time. And like, really? <laughs> like, Dusty is That's the coolest great. name dropper. It's not even name dropping with Dusty. No. Dusty, he's so, it's just, he's, he's friends with everybody because he's the coolest guy around. And, you know, I never root when I work for ESPN, uh, I never root for anybody. And the manager of the Phillies, Rob Thompson, is an equally wonderful guy and he's Canadian. So, you know, I had a I had a little stake in that. But I I will admit I was thrilled for Dusty. He'd have been so close. And even if they'd gotten swept in this World Series, Kevin, I, 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 I think Dusty's a Hall of Famer. I think he belongs in the Hall of Fame. I don't care how you put him in, if it's a no combo question. player manager package or whatever, but I'm so glad he got to, you know, get rid of whatever narrative may have been out there because he won the World Series and he's an important part of why they won the World Series. They are a great team. Their organization is great. They were put together very well, but he took on a lot of stuff and he deflected a lot of stuff off those players yeah. in the last few years. And that's why they brought him in. Um, and, and I'm glad he got it. And one of my favorite things is the first time I see Dusty every baseball season, whenever that may be, I walk into his office and he'll say, I've been watching you because he's a college basketball. <laughs> oh, is that right? That's cool. He watch, yeah. He watch, when he's not fishing with Huey Lewis, he's watching college basketball. <laughs> right. so he's definitely cool. <laughs> well, uh, you're the heart and soul, I guess, of uh, ESPN uh, college basketball and, and baseball. Dan Schulman, always great to see you and uh, appreciate the time. Thanks, guys. Looking forward to digging into my blue ribbon on the flight tonight to San Diego. Uh, I hope it helps, brother. It will. Thank you. That was Dan Schulman, who's fantastic. Uh, he is a great play-by-play announcer. I think he's right at the very top with, with some of the my absolute favorite. best now or any time. I always think it's really interesting to talk to those guys and get a little glimpse of what their preparation is like and how they sift through this mountain of information you have and, and come out with stuff that's interesting for listeners or for viewers. And he does it well, whether it's basketball or baseball. I mean, he's, he's always fantastic. So great to visit with him. Thank you for making that happen. That, that was great stuff with Dan. Oh, my pleasure. Another friend of the show who we see on TV is Fran Fraschilla, and uh, happy for him. Won a gold medal, huh? Yeah, won, won a gold medal. Uh, as as uh, he said on our show a few weeks back, uh, he's the, the coach of the uh, – well, for this particular uh, event, uh, three-on-three three, uh, three team uh, uh, that won the FIBA America's Cup. And this was one of the most uniquely constructed teams I've ever seen in sports writing. Kareem Maddox uh, was a host on NPR's All Things Considered. And, you know, he he had just completely made the switch from basketball to journalism and then decides, I want to get back in it. So three on three gives him a home. Canyon Barry, the sixth, count him, sixth son of Hall of Famer Rick Barry, who played at Florida, and was the academic All-American of the year in 2017. Good shooter like his old man is on that team. And then none other than James Taft, Jimmer Fredette, 
was on that team. So kudos to to Pran or whoever put that bunch together. But man, that's a heck of a three on three team right there because you've got some shooters and some crafty veterans and and a journalist, man. Uh, I, I'm, I'm, all, I'm all into that. <laughs> From all things considered to winning a gold medal, yeah. that, that's a heck of a story right there. It really is. Uh, give me a, a thought or two on the, the resignation of John Gallagher at Hartford. I saw the headlines on that, didn't really understand the whole story. What, what can you uh, decipher from that situation? Well, it started back, Kevin, uh, after uh, 2021, Hartford gets into the NCAA tournament. And immediately thereafter, the University Board of Trustees says, well, you know, it, that's not cool enough for us, I guess. We're, we're going to go down to D3. And John Gallagher hung in there. I'll give him credit. You know, some of his players took off, and they knew what they were relegated to. Uh, not being in D1 is just, I don't know, after you've been in the NCAA tournament, I don't see how you can deal with it. But... Hartford had a had a uh, exhibition game. Uh, the school did not send a trainer, and uh, a kid was injured and did not have timely treatment. And that was the final straw for Coach Gallagher. He said, "I am out of here." He has got some kind of a lawsuit pending against the school. So, already before the season really begins, you know, Steve Messiello in Manhattan and now John Gallagher uh, at Hartford were down two coaches. And another guy you're happy for, and maybe more of a feel-good story here, Keontae Johnson, he, of course, a couple seasons back at Florida had that scary incident where they were playing at Florida State and he collapsed and was unable to continue his career, but has been able to get back on the court again. Really happy for that guy who uh, who was sort of an an assistant coach with Michael White there at Florida, but uh, good to see him uh, have a chance to get back on the court. You're right. It was so scary, and it's so good to see him back. At that time, you know, COVID was raging and and no one knew whether that was a byproduct of him having contracted COVID. And and, and it was so scary, but it took a couple of years, but he's back. Uh, he started, uh, he's at Kansas State and he started their season opening win over uh, uh, UT Rio Grande Valley. And he had 13 points, four assists and three three-pointers. So good for him. Uh, there'll be a lot of feel-good stories Uh, in college basketball this year, but I'm going to tell you already, that one's in the top two. All right, let's give our spoiler-filled and or recap to uh, finish today's show. Now, I have not seen the most recent episode that came out just last week. I've gotten as far as seeing Cassie and Andor uh, in the Imperial Prison where he's on the work detail that competes to try to see who keeps from uh, getting you know the electric shock as they walk around with no shoes but <laughs> whatever it is they're building i, <laughs> well, no, I know i, know. I guess they're, they looks like they're building parts for tie fighters or the death star or something like that but like man that. that's some <laughs> pretty weird scenes going on and then you have you know the other side of the story going on there too so uh it, it seems like it's getting more interesting by the week i, I like it I, f- I feel like it's been a good series I, I do, too. And, you know, I, I have seen that in the latest episode. Uh, another one drops tomorrow on Wednesday. Uh, the latest one, without giving away too much, uh, Cassian's getting pretty sick of that gig. And I, I think he's looking to bust out. I don't know uh, how he's going to do it, but the prison unit manager who is also in, and he, he's a short timer in the vernacular, if he just 
keeps his head down and doesn't cause any trouble. He's going to be out, doesn't want to jeopardize it. But some things happen, which I'm not going to say. And it's Andy Circus that plays plays him. Uh, he starts to maybe start to come around with the way Cassian uh, is thinking. And the other thing that really struck me, this show is a lot darker. Yeah. I mean, yeah, Darth Vader is the scariest villain in movie history, maybe. But uh, there are some things going on here, in, including a, a nasty interrogation device that apparently uses ultrasonic sound waves uh, that poor Bix, Cassian's friend, they, they nabbed her and, and put her through the ringer. So this thing is getting dark. Uh, I can't wait to see uh, this season. They're going to have two 12-episode uh, seasons. So it'll be really cool to see how it ends up. Unfortunately, we know how poor Cassian ends because we saw Rogue One. Sure. So I'm always going to have that in the back of my mind, and I'm always going to be bummed because with each passing episode, I like and or even more. Chris, always a lot of fun to do our podcast. Uh, really enjoyed our conversation with Dan Shulman, and we'll catch up again soon. Sounds good, buddy. He's Chris Dorch. I'm Kevin Ingram. That is the Blue Ribbon College Basketball Podcast. We'll talk to you next time.